Hi everyone, it's Michelle from Studio City Now. And today my guest is author, Dr. Dana Watson. Hi, Dr. Watson. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me on today, Michelle. And can I call you Dana? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I've got your bio, Life After Divorce, Turning Pain Into Power. I was a nurse who went into law and I'm working in family law. And I actually gave your bio to the attorney I work for. Oh, wow. <laughs> I said, read this. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> wow, thank you so much. Well, you know, having been divorced and um, working in this industry, like I glanced through your bio, what made you go into this or what made you read this or write this? Yes. So <laughs> I am also a coach. Oh. Mm -hmm in addition to being a published author. And I have been writing books about my life since 2014. Um, I, wrote my, I wrote my first book, Because He Loves Me, which is inspired by true events. I use fictional characters to tell this story uh, and this message of this young lady who was a single mom uh, and she had thought she found her true love. I'll say Boaz, right? <laughs> um, and as she is experiencing this journey of finally wanting to be in this loving, committed relationship because she has this baby girl that she just wants to give the world to. Sorry, dog, start barking. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I have dogs too. Okay. <laughs> Who she wanted to give the world to? It's okay. She just wanted to give the world to her daughter and the best thing she can give her daughter was a family because her dad was incarcerated. And so being in this relationship with who she thought was the man of her dreams, it turns. And of course, this is inspired by my life. I, I really did think I found my true love. And so we were engaged to get married. And as soon as we moved in the same house, which my mama told me not to do it, <laughs> but you know sometimes we got to find our own path of adulthood and that's exactly what was going on with me just hard-headed and thinking I knew it all but that was not the case because as soon as we moved into the same house uh, he became physically abusive towards me um, yeah and he was a mathematics major in college at a, a local school here that's really well known William and Mary um, Ashley Norfolk State University. Oh. Are you aware of that school, familiar with that school? I'm not. Yeah, but it's not too far from William and Barry. Um, but he was, a, it was, he was a senior planning to graduate. Mom was military. You would think he knew better, but he um, always told me he did not want to be like his dad. His dad known to be fit aggressive towards his mom. And so he knew what he didn't want to become and he actually became just like his dad. To put his hands on me and so I two weeks prior to the date of the wedding and I wrote a book about it because he loves me so that's jumped some years after that relationship my best friend would tell me I settled up because settling up may, means I thought I found somebody better than my last relationship and he was he was not physically abusive. He was not verbally abusive. He said all the right words. I love you. You're so beautiful. And I'm a woman of words of affirmation. And he stole my heart away like that. We got married. I, I and I talk about this in the book, 
about ignoring those red flags because he cheated on me prior to us getting married and I ignored it and it didn't get better. It actually got worse. And so this book, Life After Divorce, is all about ignoring those red flags, about settling up. And it's not the end of the world. Just because you face this divorce in life, you are able to turn your pain into your purpose. You're able to turn it into your, your passion. But most of all, you're able to take that pain and use it as power. And so I was able to collaborate with some other writers about how they were able to turn their pain into power. And so some people wrote their stories about finding a new healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. starting a new business, which was something I did. I became a, a another type of coach, mm -hmm. um, coaching other individuals who were ready to escape toxic relationships. I go around speaking, international speaker, and it has opened me up to so many wonderful opportunities. And so we don't have to be victims of our pain. We don't have to feel like just because I got a divorce, I'm a nobody, I'm a failure. Because a lot of times when we go through divorce, we feel like failures because I've been there. I felt like a failure. And that's why I stayed in my relationship so long because of shame, embarrassment, because of fear. And I said, no more. I am no longer living for other people. And me walking away was the best thing I could have did for myself. Yeah, I went through the divorce from hell. Mm -hmm. and um, he wanted it. I didn't. I tried to make it work, mm -hmm. and I paid for the whole thing. Then he turned, was like, I'll make sure I'll bankrupt you, and I'll do this, and I'm like, uh -huh. yeah, just yeah. horrible, and um, like you, I too am writing a book, but it's a novella. Oh, congratulations. I just haven't had time. Mm -hmm. I have to be miserable to write, and I haven't been miserable. <laughs> That's exactly what we do with that pain. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So everyone always says, why would he do what he did to you? He knew you wrote a book before about the ex. And I was like, I know. I know. Why would he do that? <laughs> well, mine, because that's what I do. I write books. <laughs> mine told me, because I did my research, because I know you have to change the names. Right. Mine's called He's Great in Bed, dot, 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 and the family's got money because the girlfriend I wasn't supposed to know about, he took to a party and she was really drunk. And she said, yeah, I'm with X's name mm -hmm. because he's really good in bed and his family's got money. I thought, great <laughs> book title. And so you entitled the book. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he calls me a couple of years ago and he says, if you publish, I'll sue you. A great free publicity by the way your character is impotent sue me now <laughs> i love it <laughs> how'd that work out for mary joe but a few go <laughs> oh my goodness i love it you know i'm doing um book coaching i have 12 people in the in my book coaching group teaching mm -hmm. them how to do the same exact thing to take their pain to write it out because writing is healing it's oh, so yeah. therapeutic and to be able to release all of your worries and your anxieties and put it on paper and then make money off of it. That's why <laughs> that's the biggest free that's the biggest to the X. Yes, yes, yes. And so um, I tell them, you know what, if you don't feel comfortable writing a real true nonfictional story, 
put it down as fictional and then you just change the names up and so they have been enjoying this process of writing their stories so anyway reading your bio you also uh, wrote something called oh you're the ceo i'm sorry of elevate health and wellness llc dash i am healed academy yes and you're an ordained minister I am. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm a woman who wear a lot of hats for sure. Me too. But we're going to talk about you. <laughs> this is like so cool. Elevate Health and Wellness. Tell me about that. Yes. So Elevate Health and Wellness actually started in 2019, but it's pretty much like a rebranded business. Um, what happened is around the time I wrote my first book, Because He Loves Me, 2014, 2015, I began to coach individuals who were ready to leave those toxic relationships. And that was my main focus. People who were ready to fight back. And when mm -hmm. I say fight back, that's saying emotionally take a stand uh, for their own health, for their own survival stories, and be able to um, just be able to go forth in their life. So helping them to set up bank accounts, uh, come up with safety plans. Sometimes they might want coaching and counseling with their significant other mm -hmm. and see if they can work on their relationship. I have a background in counseling. So if that's what they wanted, that's what I would work with them on. But if the relationship seems like it wasn't get, getting anywhere, then they will come up with a plan on how to leave that relationship. And so I was coaching um, survivors of domestic violence and my mom got sick with liver cancer in 2018. I'm so and sorry to hear that. Thank you. I appreciate um, your words. While she was sick, I really did want her to try natural herbs, take that holistic approach. Uh, and this was as soon as we found out she had it, which was February 2018. Um, she talked to the doctors about it and they were like, no, you can't do both, either chemotherapy or the uh, holistic approach. And my mom is one who followed doctor's orders to the T. So we were not surprised when she said, uh, the doctor said, we, I can't do that. I'm gonna do the chemotherapy. Chemotherapy from February to July. July, doctors say there's nothing else that they can do for her. And she finally says, Dana, I'm ready. Whatever you can help me with, I'll listen, I'll do it. I, when I say I did my research, I did my research because it's not like that was my expertise or anything. I started learning about natural herbs, about essential oils, uh, wheatgrass shots, sweet, um, no, bitter almonds, all these things to help to reduce and shrink the tumor. And let me tell you, it worked. The tumors began to shrink and reduce. So when my mom, she initially was getting better, went to a doctor's appointment and the doctor was like, uh, yeah, you should probably talk to your family about end of life, what your plans are. From there, because my mom was motivated about her healing. From there, when the doctor said what they said, her spirit went completely down, gave up. She gave up immediately and she went to hospice and so we did hospice in my sister's home an older sister home and my mom was on her deathbed and i began to research about health coaching and as i'm doing my research i go into my mom's room mom is not really conscious enough to respond back to me but i say mom i want to go to health coaching school because i don't want to see anyone else struggle the way that you struggle and so really just thinking about that physical being 
and how we have to get healthy because cancer does run in my family. And I'm like, we gotta stop this somewhere. And so I didn't know my mom was gonna take her last breath that night. And I had just had my consultation with the uh, strategy coach and I signed up, paid my deposit. And when my mom died a couple of days later, I'm like trying to back out of it. And I'm like, what did I do? I can't do this. I'm grieving. This is just too much for me. And I was married at the time. And my um, then husband, he's like, no, you're just scared. Do it. And I did the classes and I fell in love with health coaching. It was exactly who I was as a person. But I learned is the way that we do one thing, we do all things. And healing actually starts from the inside out when it comes to the, the emotions. So my mom had gone through so much in her life. I found out about the trauma that she had experienced. And mm -hmm. so she was full of anger and resentment, even though on the outside, she constantly showed love and caring people. She was a pastor. So she did what she was supposed to do. She preached like she was supposed to preach, but my mom was hurt from the things that happened to her in her life. And I don't think she ever had an opportunity to forgive the people who hurt her so much. So my coaching started out as coaching individuals with emotional eating. And from there, just to be true to who I was, because I began to compartmentalize myself about with all the different skills that I had as a person. I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. So Elevate Health and Wellness helps me to be true to who I am. Someone who helps people to heal from emotional trauma. And mm -hmm. then that emotional trauma, when we find healing in the inner being, that's going to help us with our physical being. And so I coach mind, body, and spirit because we're triune, just like God is triune. And so providing that holistic care for people, you want to lose weight? Good. But let's get to the root of what your relationship is with food first. Let's see what happened that made you want to overeat. Why are you finding coping skills and going out to eat and overeating? And so that's what Elevate Health and Wellness is. Well, going on the overeating, I'm the generation you had to eat everything on your plate mm -hmm. because there were children starving somewhere in the world. Yes. I also went to Catholic schools. We're not going to get into that. But, uh, you know, come on out to my part of the country in Catholic schools. You'll be very busy. who <laughs> I had to eat everything. You know, now it's like that always stuck with me. And... Um, one of the things I started doing, I don't put so much food on my plate and I use smaller plates, but it took years to do that. Right. And like the nuns, we're not going to, it, it horrible. Yeah, I get it. As a matter of fact, when I have that coaching session, when I talk to my clients mm -hmm. about that hunger skill that we have, listening to our body, when our body says that we are not just hungry, but when our body is full, I go back to our childhood when our parents would say, make sure you eat all of your food off of your plate. Like you said, don't waste any food because a lot of us come from poverty. And so to waste food, that, there was no such thing as wasting food or scraping your plate in the trash can because you just don't want anymore. And so it was abusive to make yeah. your kid overeat when they're telling you, mommy, I can't eat anymore. Eat two more bites. Eat three yeah. more bites. <laughs> so it was it was very abusive and not understanding that until I'm, I'm in my upper 30s, 
you know? And so now I no longer make my son, my daughter's older, but when my son says he's full, I listen to him. Yeah, I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, 67. You look beautiful for your age. Thank you, thank you. That's, my dad was Caribbean, so I got that. Mm -hmm. My mother was um, blonde, blue-eyed Italian. Oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, when my daughter was growing up, I think my aha moment was I made liver. Mm -hmm. And she told me she would rather die than eat that slop, mm -hmm. but she didn't call it slop. And my aha moment was, why am I going to make her eat this? Next right. growing up, I was told you had to eat liver. Well, consequently, <laughs> I'd never served liver again. Oh, wow. And, you know, I learned, yeah, if she doesn't want to eat it, I'm not going to force her. But I'm also not going to load her plate up with a ton of food. Right. And right. Um, that's how she raised her kids. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that was our aha moment, but it took years. She must've been eight. So I was 28 or 29, mm -hmm. but it took all that time for me to realize, yeah, you don't have to eat this. Right, right. And we're getting better as a yeah. generation. So, you know, forward, we're learning more and we're able to teach our children better than what we had. Yeah, one of the things I did do is if she didn't even want to try it, I'd say, try a bite. If you don't like it, you don't have to have it. Right. You might right. like it. Just try it. Right. So controlled. We were so controlling for no reason at all because mm -hmm. our parents did it to us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but trying the bite, I wouldn't, that was the one thing that was also a turning point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not, I don't care what you think you have to eat it because I didn't have when I was growing up. No, that's right. yes. Right. You know, and I see, I actually see now I'm jumping all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many obese kids. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I just don't get it. Yeah. You know, where are the fruits and the veggies and, you know, don't serve right. them. Don't give your kids enough right. sweets or desserts because you love them. Because, mm -hmm. you know, your eight-year-old is going to have diabetes type two. Don't do it. Right. Like I said, I'm all over the place here. No, no, it, it, it's not all over the place at all. It all collect, connects with each other. I actually yeah. did like, elevate her um, self-esteem group for teenage girls with obesity um, mm -hmm. because their self-esteem, their self-confidence, self-love is affected by their weight, the way they look, when they get teased, when they get bullied. And so instead of us just saying, oh, I feel sorry for her, she needs to lose weight. We need to put action to it. We need to show them the way. And so understanding that all parents don't know how to show them the way. So I created this program just to teach them Oops, you froze. Uh-oh. Uh, 
Okay, the screen froze for a bit. I don't know if you're still there. Put in waiting room, remove, report, nope. See if I can do a whiteboard. No whiteboard. Are you still there? Dana? Yes. Okay, the screen screen froze. So I'm, I'm, can you see me? I can see you. I was trying to do a whiteboard, but oh, okay. That. Um but the screen screen froze, so I missed everything from teenage group. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I started this um, teenage group called Elevate Her Queens, um, mm -hmm. self-esteem group for teenage girls starting at the age of 11, from 11 to 18 years old. Um, basically just trying to teach them about how to improve their self-esteem, self-confidence and self-love. And so again, remember I'm taking, always taking a holistic approach, mind, body and spirit. I had different speakers to come in to teach about beauty, natural hair, makeup um, and skincare. That's for that physical, right? But when it came to the emotional side of it, I had someone to come in. I had life coaches to come in to teach about self-love and how to be able to um, speak life into yourself, positive affirmations and just positive talk. And then with the physical, I taught them about nutrition, how to eat. Um, again, going back to that hunger scale, how to know when you're hungry, how to know when you're full and satisfied because we don't want to get full, but we want to just make sure that our bodies are satisfied, right? Yeah. Um, talked about high energy foods, low energy foods, everything that's going to help them to be able to eat the right way. And then I had a mixed fit instructor come in and we did physical exercises. And so, yeah, we were there <laughs> for like a couple of hours um, just to be able to launch their health journey. And I received awesome reviews from the parents because they were saying that their children's um, moods and attitudes were changing. Because guess what? I would be angry too if I don't like the way that I look or the way that my, my body has um, developed, which causes me to get teased at school. And so we wonder why kids are acting out at school. It goes back to that self-love. And so uh -huh. what they do is they bully other kids. Sometimes they're bullied themselves, but they began to pick on other kids because they're not happy with themselves. So teaching yeah. them how to love themselves so that they can be happy. Yeah, which is definitely what we need. Mm -hmm. yes. So where can we find this program? Is it online also or? That one is, uh, um, I usually, I am like a visionary. I get these ideas and thoughts and programs. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it. And I try not to be a one and done type person when it comes to these programs, but just depending on the direction that God is leading me to. So like I have done it with teenagers. I've done it with adults too, woman groups. Mm -hmm. um, 
I've done healing groups. I do the book coaching groups. It's just what season that God has me in and how to give back. I partner with the Oat Foundation and I've had free groups with them. Um, the, the Oat Foundation is the uh oh, frozen. The nonprofit that I am sitting on the one I'm back. Okay. Oh, Oat okay. Foundation. Can you hear me now? Yeah, all of a sudden it froze again. Mm -hmm. You're partnered with the OAT? OAT, OAT yes, it's for Outreach Advisory Team. Oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just, you know, making sure that we're doing our part to help restore broken homes in the community in the city of Norfolk. Okay, now, I love it. I think, you know, it should have been done years ago, and I'm glad you're doing it now. Thank you. Thank and you. your healing academy that's trauma-focused care services? Mm -hmm. yes. yes. And I'm reading everything. I Am Healed Academy, mm -hmm. which is what, self-paced courses on healing from trauma? Yes. So I have a, um, a healing course, How to Heal from Emotional Trauma, Breakups, and Betrayal. And you can pretty much sign up for that program and go on your own pace. There's videos, there's um, affirmations, there's reflection questions. Um, just so, you know, sometimes you don't have the time to go to therapy or to a coach, but you can do your, give yourself like a kickstart. It gives you the resources and the tools that you need to begin your journey. And hopefully from there, they'll go sign up for some professional assistance. Um, and then I have the I Am Healed certification program, which is more of um, it's self-paced when it comes to the, the courses and the videos, but they have quizzes, they have skill apps with partners, real live people. Uh, <laughs> they get one-on-one -on -one coaching with me. Um, the goal is to help them find healing for themselves and then become certified healing coaches to help someone else heal. Um, because I, I believe each one teach one. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's selfish to find healing and to be able to find restoration and go forth with your life and leave your brother or sister drowning in depression, drowning in, in wary and not knowing how to move forward from that broken relationship. And so I teach them about, uh, of course, mental health, where we're not clinicians, so we have to know when to refer out to a therapist, but also teaching them how to take care of themselves. Self-care is important and there is a cost to caring. We know that suicide rates are the highest amongst the mental health field because we just pour and pour and pour and no one else is there to pour back into us. And so I talked to my coaches about that, to be able to build up their resiliency, to be able to bounce back. Now on the suicide rates, um, have you noticed since you know, we were all locked down for almost two years. Mm -hmm. Has there been a higher rate, a lower rate? Yeah, definitely. Um, suicide rates are highest amongst um, military. That was in the news a couple of days ago. Um, I'm from Norfolk, so we have a really high military population and suicide is really high. It doesn't matter how much they try to cover it up, of course, because no employer wants to release to the world that my people are dying and killing themselves because we're not taking care of them right but it's high 
and even the individuals I know that's in the military, you know, some they, they complain about the therapy, the mental health services being so full and over capacity that there's no room for them to even schedule a meeting or a session to see a therapist. So what do they do? They unlive themselves. Right. So um, you're also a minister. Yes. Could I ask which church or which? Denomination. Denomination, thank you. <laughs> so I, I am non-denomination, um, but really rooted in the Baptist faith. Yeah, my mom, okay. like I said, my mom was a pastor. My mom was like a trailblazer when it came to being the first um, first woman um, minister at her church and she came from a mega church and so it wasn't really heard of to have female ministers um, they always put the females as teachers those Sunday school teachers right and here she was the first female minister um, in the city of Norfolk and we followed her journey when I say we is six of us I have uh, four <laughs> sisters one brother out of six of us three of us are ministers oh wow Yes. That's amazing. And you also have three master's degrees? <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you look in the dictionary for overachiever, my face will probably be right there. No, I think that's amazing. See, I'm the generation, because you know my age, which I will cut out. <laughs> <laughs> and women were supposed to get married, have kids. But before they did that, they did hair right right and yeah. we weren't encouraged to get an education uh, my daughter is really really important to me again my mom is my superhero she was my role model uh, my mom had her doctorate degree and so that is my goal I, I have my honorary doctorate that's why you hear people call me dr dana um oh. i have two actually in divinity and also in leadership but i'm also in school to obtain my doctorate in Christian counseling. You don't stay still. I know, I need an early retirement. <laughs> yeah, but let's say you were able to retire tomorrow. I don't think you would. I know, I, I love every, people tell me, how do you keep up with everything you have going on? And it's nothing but the grace of God that keeps me moving. You know, that's why when we started, I said, I slept in this and... <laughs> Yes. No makeup. <laughs> so you also do grief counseling or grief coaching, mm -hmm. um, ADHD and life coaching. But um, we got into the life and the health. Right. What is ADHD coaching or? Yeah. So if you remember, I, what I do is I take my personal experiences. I take my pain and I began to research and I study and that there's this coaching certification program. I get these brochures in the mail from this one institute about all the different certifications they have. And I'm like, oh my God, I need it. Oh my God, I need it. So I, I'm constantly learning. Like I said, education is so important. And so it helps me to add to my services based on my client's needs. But outside of my client's needs, I also have children and my son struggles with ADHD. Um, he struggled with it since he was probably in the first grade and it was like nothing was helping. My studies, trauma on the brain, really helped me to advocate 
for him in school because he had a, a concussion at the age of six. And when I tried to get my son's services in school, it, it was as if we, was, we were getting dismissed. He couldn't retain information, very forgetful. So his memory was affected. And it wasn't until I compared his writings from kindergarten to first grade. And I was like, wait a second, there's a difference with this writing. And I asked the psychologist, the school psychologist, I was like, what's the likelihood that the concussion that he had, or when he bumped his head, because he was playing football with a friend and they collided into each other. And he had this large dent on his head right here. Took him to the doctor and she was like, oh, he'll be okay. And she like rubbed it. And then of course the dent didn't go anywhere until like probably a year later. And the psychologist was like, yeah, there's a strong possibility that he had a concussion when he bumped his head and that is affecting his education. And so they had already diagnosed him with ADHD. I was spending so much money on tutoring and tutoring was not helping him at all. And it wasn't until last year and he had the psychological evaluation that um, I was told, yeah, tutoring is not going to help him in his condition because there was trauma and that kind of thing. Yeah, you can get some services for it, but tutoring is not going to help him in this case. But I needed something to help him with the focusing, with the ADHD. When it came to clutter, like you walk in his bedroom, and it was a big mess, um, very impulsive. And so researching, I started understanding everything I was seeing with him were symptoms of the ADHD in the concussion. And so I did some studying um, and I joined a certification program for ADHD coaching. And so I really did that for him so I can help him and also help myself because when you are so used to multitasking, a lot of people don't understand that it's not healthy to multitask at a certain um, level. And because I did so much, it was hard for me to sit still. It was hard for me to, like when it came to completing tasks, I started at number one, then I'll stop, and then I jumped to number 10, do number eight. It was hard for me to go in order, one, two, three, four, five. And so I also did that program for myself. And then it was just so happened other individuals needed those type of services too. First of all, it upsets me the doctor kind of dismissed you. But with the ADHD, did I don't know if it was a he or a she, so I'm going to say he. Did the doctor, did he try to um, put him on any meds or? Yes. Um, so he is on Adderall right now. Uh -huh. um, we try to not do the Adderall because I'm not a big fan of medication if you don't need it. But I will say the medication does help my son. You can tell a big difference. And so if I was speaking to any parents out there who are trying to make that decision, should I put my child on medication or should I try another approach? Always try natural foods first trying to look at the diet, seeing if taking sugar away would help. But if it does not work, do what's best for your child. Um, you can start with the lowest dosage out there. Don't allow your doctors to just start at the top at the highest dosage. Start small and then see if you need to work your way up. So with my son, because he was so young, I was afraid to give him that five milli uh, milligram. So I would cut it in half and that was good for him. Mm -hmm. He's older. Um, they tried to put him on 10 milligrams just because of his age. And I said, no, because the side, effect, side effects from the medication was not good at all. 
He was very zombie-ish appetite. He lost his appetite. He wasn't eating his food. And I, I didn't like seeing him like that. Education is important, but his health is important too. So I cut the 10 milligrams. Now he's on five milligrams and he's doing really good with that one. Yeah, I like what you said about the sugar because mm-hmm. the FDA has said sugar does not affect personality oh, or gosh. affect children. I'm like, yeah, FDA. Yeah, cutting <laughs> out sugar would do uh, not just good for kids and adults with focusing, but also this belly fat that we have a hard time trying to lose. If we can kick sugar to the curb, we'll see a big difference in our body, in our skin, in our mm-hmm. belly fat, in our energy. It's just like drugs. <laughs> well, I read every label because I get migraines. Mm-hmm. So I cut out diet sodas, I cut right. out processed foods. I am addicted to sugar, so I don't eat it. And that's a true statement. You can be addicted to sugar. Like I said, I'm addicted to coffee, two to three cups a day, and I'm a happy camper. So if I was your coach, I would say try cutting it down at least by one cup a day. I cut it down from eight. Well, you are doing an awesome job. (laughs) But it's a gradual thing because it is a addiction. And it does cause migraines if you cut it out. Right. I know with sugar... I love buttercream frosting, but if I have like a tablespoon of that, I'm a dick. I, I know my personality. I can't have a tablespoon. I have to eat the whole can. Yeah. Then yeah. I'll get sick. <laughs> but anyway, oh no, there, there's food addictions, there's sugar addictions, there's um, all sorts of addictions. All types, yes. And it says you've written various books, other mm-hmm. books. Yes. So tell me about your other books. Yeah, so I told you about the Because He Loves Me, which was my very first book. My second book is Man of Deception. So remember, I write books inspired by my life, even if it's small, right? Mm-hmm. So Man of Deception is another fictional book I wrote. It was based off a dream or a vision my mom had. I was in the middle of a separation from my husband at the time. And my mom told me that she um, had a dream about me. And I was talking to this guy and this guy was, um, I don't want to say pretending, but he had came off as this Christian man because dating a Christian man was so important to me, right? (laughs) But he was this Christian man. And she said, when she looked at his feet, he had tennis shoes on, he was supposed to get baptized. So he had a white baptism robe on, but his feet had tennis shoes on. And she heard, heard God's voice say, man of deception. What my mom did not know was that I had just met this guy I was talking to. And even though I was separated, you know, you're just looking for companionship, a friend. And I did not tell my mom that I was talking to a guy. And he was, of course, wanting to pursue me. But even in the book, you'll see what happened to Miss Lady when she thinks she finds the man for her. He is, well, she has to ask herself, if the man of deception is this new guy or is it, the old guy who's the ex-husband. And so later on in the book, we realized that the man of deception isn't either one of them. The man of deception is the devil because he's the father of lies. And though we have these voices inside of our head and these thoughts, we got to understand that the devil whispers these lies to, to us about who we are. And we got to know who to believe. We got to fight those thoughts with the truth. And so that's what the man of deception is about because loneliness will have us do some crazy things. Yeah. It will have us, 
you know, stepping outside of our character. And so that's what that book is about. I love writing Christian romance books to give a good message about hope and encouragement and about true love. God is love. God is that real true love that we're looking for that we often overlook in our life. But if we go back to the basics, to be able to really know what love is, we'll realize that we have the truth right in our face, that we don't have to get caught up in the lies, whether it's the lies from a man or a woman, if we take the time to know who we are. So that's what Man of Deception is. And then um, I'm the co-writer of of a couple of books. Um, My very first co-writing book was Wives Who Pray. I'm a praying wife. I'm a praying wife was a book that I was actually invited to participate with. So going back to my story of divorce, my husband and I, we separated several times and, you know, we only divorced once, but we separated several times. But in those in-between times, I was a praying wife. I prayed hard for my husband. I prayed hard for my marriage. That's why it was so hard for me to walk away because I believe that God can heal marriages and I just wanted him to heal my marriage. And so in that um, book, I prayed about or prayed against divorce and separation. I prayed against inf- uh, infidelity because those were the things that I was struggling with. And then the second book is Women Who Pray, which is a devotional book. 90 women came together and they came up with devotional prayers. And then the third book is It Costs to Be the Boss. And that talks about the pain that I went through in order to become who I am today. Where can we find your books? If you go on my website, www.danawatsoncoaching.com, you can find all of my books up there. And then um, Life After Divorce has not been released yet. We're coming up to that release date. Um, So please look on my website for the launch of that book. Pre-orders will be available real soon. Okay. Do you have a date for the launch or no? We are looking at probably December. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like December the, I believe like December the 9th. Okay. That'll be about the time this will be released. Okay. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so, so much. Thank you. I have learned so much. Thank you. I appreciate and, uh, it. You know, I liked our off, <laughs> off camera, off Zoom conversations too. Okay. Yeah. I'm welcoming it it, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you again. And you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Thank you. You too. Okay. Thanks again. Okay. Bye-bye.